Hey icons, it's Jen Spiegel, mama four, serial entrepreneur, and your business and lifestyle BFF. I'm here to build a community of like-minded women who are willing to dust themselves off time and time again. We stand tall and brave and courageous in our journeys, and we really become focused and committed to showing and shining a light on our God-given gifts. Let's be iconic together. Hey icons, I'm excited to have you here today because I have a guest that's going to leave you breathless. She's incredible. She is one of the most inspiring, gritty people I have met. And I've been following her for a few years now and just love to see a community that's behind her, cheering her on and how she inspires people on the daily. So I have Alyssa Cleland here today. Uh, She is a special, special person and with a beautiful story that's going to inspire you all. She was born in the Ukraine and came to the U.S. by beautiful parents who adopted her and took her as their own. And, and helped her really become who she is today. She's a paradressage rider hoping to go to the Paralympics. So let's cheer her on and give her lots of support in that goal because that is a beautiful goal. She has paraxial tibia hemamelia. Did I say that right, Alyssa? For the most part, yes. <laughs> I'll get you to repeat that. Um, which is a, a, con- a condition, can we call it? Uh, what, do you, what do you refer to it as? It's just like a congenital condition, yeah. Okay. One in a million are born with this. So it's a very rare um, condition. And I am so excited just to like dig into that with you and dig into your story and really see how you've become this incredible version of the person you are today. And I'm excited to see where that's going to take you. So I want to pass this over to you. And I'm just going to ask you to dive in the deep end with me, if you would, and talk about, you know, your journey, your journey from what you remember to where you are today, because I just think the story needs to be told. And I'm excited for people to hear it. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm excited to be able to share my story on, you know, any and all platforms um, and hope to um, inspire and encourage some people today. Um, So I guess starting right off the bat. um, So as you said, I was born in Ukraine. Um, I was born in this super small town called Mariupol. Um, We don't know much about like my birth mom, my birth father, anything like that. Uh, what we can kind of gather from how it is. Um, We're just thinking that my mom was super, super young. And so that's kind of why um, I was given up. And then also I was born, um, you know, kind of weird looking. So she probably didn't know how to handle that either. And so that's probably another good reason um, why I was given up. And, you know, being born in a third world country, they obviously don't have the kind of medical advancements that, you know, the U.S. has and stuff like that. So um, I actually ended up in the hospital. Um, I was supposed to, like, die. I wasn't supposed to live uh, beyond a year. And so I spent the first year of my life in a hospital. And um, once I surpassed their expectations, um, I was then sent to an orphanage um, in the Ukraine's capital. And I was there until I was four years old. And then a family came and they were actually adopting another little girl. And while they were there visiting her, they saw me and they came back for me a year later. 
Mm. Um, so really, really cool. So the other girl that was adopted ended up becoming my sister. She's Michaela. Um, and I was brought into a family of five siblings. <laughs> so I have four sisters and a brother. Um, they're all much older than me, except for Michaela, who is also adopted. We are six months apart and everyone keeps telling us we look like twins, but we don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so with that, so after I came to the U.S., we were able to find out that I was born with a super rare condition called paraxial tibial hemimelia. Um, and basically what that causes is for um, a person's tibia to not develop. And for you know medical people, um, your tibia is your large lower leg bone um, or your shin bone um, that you always hit on the edge of coffee tables. <laughs> and so... Um, you can't walk without that bone. Um, I mean, it's like your weight bearing bone, like you need it. So because of that, I had to have my leg amputated when I was four and came to the US. Um, and then I was able to start wearing prosthetics um, along with praxial tibial hemimelia. I was also born with something called ectrodactyly. Um, and so that's a condition where it causes crab-like hands. Um, and so if you see pictures of me or anything, um, I only have four fingers on each hand. I'm missing my middle fingers. Um, and they look like crab claws, basically. Uh, it's like the nickname for it. Um, but if you look at x-rays and stuff, you can actually see that my middle finger conjoins in with my ring finger. Um, so it's still there, just not there, there. <laughs> oh my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. So it's really, really interesting. And that's actually kind of commonly paired with paraxial tibial hemimelia. So it's kind of like a package deal, basically. Okay. Um, so when I was four, I got my first prosthetic and it was literally just like this peg pirate leg. Like it didn't bend at all. I couldn't really walk that well, but it was okay. Um, so when I first started walking, um, the prosthetists we were working with at the time uh, were basically like, she's going to have to use a walker. She's going to have a really hard time. She's going to have to get used to it, all this stuff. And I mean, the second they put it on me, I was running down the hall without a walker. I was like, oh. I'm free. I can do oh, it. Oh my God. Um, and so that's kind of basically been my attitude since day one, you know, like no leg is going to stop me from doing what I love and basically kind of how everything started. After that, um, I just got really involved with sports and anything activity-wise. I was a super, super active child. Um, I started horseback riding when I was six. Um, I had my first lesson on this old mare named TV and she was just the sweetest thing ever. Um, however, I only had like two lessons on her because the facility we were at um, basically banned me <laughs> from coming back uh, because they saw my leg as too much of a liability and they didn't want to be responsible if I got hurt or something, which I mean is understandable. However, um, that really oh saddened me and just kind of you know, um, it's, it's moments like that, that make you remember like, oh my God, like I'm different. Like I'm not like everybody else, you know? And, um, so it's moments that like that, that just kind of like put you back in your place. And these people see me as disabled, even though I don't, you know? So that was a really, really hard moment for me. And so I can't really remember like my whole like 
childhood. Um, I did have a really, really, really rough childhood um, as far as like bullying and stuff. Um, When I was in fifth grade, I remember I told my parents that I wanted to kill myself uh, because I was just being bullied in school. And it was just, it was really, really hard. Um, And it's like, you know, this constant, you know, poking at me. And I always think of it like, you know, I'm, I was definitely never the most popular girl in school, but I was the girl that everyone knew. Um, and so, you know, I was always the outcast. I was always alone. I had very few friends. And so, um, it just made going to school so, so, so hard. And so after I told my parents that, um, my home life kind of escalated, uh, for the worst, really. Um, I, ended up in a mental hospital for, I think I was there for a month. And basically, um, I stayed there and they monitored me just to make sure I wasn't going to like harm myself, which I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I was a kid. I wasn't, I didn't actually want to like die. I, but like, you know, I just wanted help. I just wanted friends. I just wanted a normal life. So grade five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was it was crazy. So after that, I ended up going to my aunt's house for two weeks. And then I went to my other aunt and uncle's house for another two weeks. Um, and then finally, I was able to go back home. And um, when I went home, everything had changed. They put locks on my bedroom doors. My sister and I used to share a room. She no longer shared a room with me. I had to sleep alone. Um, so like my whole world is turned upside down. And I I mean, I got severely depressed because, I mean, no child should, you know, have to live like that at all. Um, And so it was right after my 10th birthday, um, we were going to the beach and we were meeting my aunt and uncle there. And um, I ended up staying with my aunt and uncle for four years <laughs> and living with them. After we went to the beach, I did not see my parents again for four years. Wow. Um, so they were basically done with me, um, which is great. <laughs> but whose choice was that? Was that your choice to go live with your aunt and uncle? Or was that it was my parents. So yeah, everything was planned out. Obviously, I had no idea this was happening. Um, and so after that, I didn't see my parents for four years. Um, so, but with living with my aunt and uncle, my aunt and uncle had three kids. Um, they were all like kind of older teenagers, some even, you know, adults. Um, and they were very, very, very laid back. And they just kind of let me do what I needed to do. And I think that's why I did so well living with them because they're very type B kind of people. And my parents are very type A kind of people and they wanted to control me and, you know, monitor me all the time and all this stuff. And that's just not the kind of environment that I could flourish in. Um, so living with my aunt and uncle was just amazing for me. And, you know, looking back on it, I definitely don't regret their decision to have me live with them. I mean, it sucked during the time, but I think I am the person I am today because that happened. Um, so living with my aunt and uncle, um, I got into volleyball. Um, I got back into horseback riding. We even had a horse in my backyard, which was really cool. Um, so they really tried to do whatever they could, um, for me. Um, so about three years in, uh, my aunt suddenly died of a 
uh, a heart attack. Um, and so she passed away. And um, a year later, my parents sued my uncle for custody of me. Um, what is even happening? I know. I had no idea all of this in your story. Alyssa, you are such a warrior. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like talk about this a lot just because it is so personal. But I mean, you know, it's definitely changed who I am and kind of helped me develop. Okay, so just a quick break here because I need to talk to you about something that is near and dear to my heart. I'm so lit up and passionate about this and that's my VIP icon program. It's now open. It's a full year and it's everything you could possibly want in a program. One-on-one coaching, masterminds with experts, group coaching and community, a retreat, multiple retreats actually, so we can build memories and experience and have fun because if we are not having fun while we work, what is all of this for anyway? You see, two years ago, I was a very successful businesswoman and I had been for over a decade, but there was something in me I just couldn't hush anymore. And that was this desire to do more and be my own brand, to expand it and build spokes on the wheel. And that's really what brought me down to who I am today. And I am so grateful for that because my experience in seeking the success I have had so far meant that I had to join all different programs. Programs from all different mentors, whether it be a mastermind over here and one-on-one coaching over here and retreats over here, because I wanted all of those things, but I couldn't find it in one package. And that's why I developed VIP icons. I know there's a need for it in the marketplace. I know there are highly successful people out there who are feeling a little nervous, but yet excited at the same time for the possibility of what else could be. And I am here for that. I am so excited to bring this to you. Go to www.jenspiegel.com. Let's spell it that last name because it's funky. It's Jen with one N, S, Z, or Z, P I G I E L.com. Click on VIP icons. I would be shocked if this program didn't tick all the boxes for you. And it's really now whether you're willing to put yourself on the skinny branch and take that beautiful risk, if you want to call it, to see what you're made of. Friends, this is the best investment you can make in yourself. It certainly was for me. I just love that you get to do it in one place. And I'll tell you, the experts I am lining up for this program are mind blowing. Okay. So if you ever imagined yourself with the top influencers out there right now, who you listen to and read and learn from, well, yeah, I'm bringing all those people in for you as well. So get ready. It's going to be a hot year. And if this sounds like something you're looking for, go shoot over to that website right now. Let's get back to where we were. So once my parents sued custody for me, um, you know, I didn't want to go through all that. So I told my uncle, like, don't worry about it. I'll just go back and I'll move in with them. Like, it's fine. Um, Cause I didn't want him to, you know, lose any money over this or have to hire a lawyer or anything like that. So I moved back in my parents when I was 15. And, you know, at that point I was super, super independent. You know, um, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, once I turned 16, I got a job, I got a car, you know, and I just, I went to high school and I worked and that was it. And I mean, not to say that I didn't, you know, love my parents or anything, but 
Um, I just kind of at that point where, you know, like I was ready to be my own person and I knew how to be my own person. And so all throughout my last years of high school, I just really kind of stuck to myself um, and just kind of focused on, you know, where am I going after this? I was always inspired by you, but this just adds so many other layers to your story. I believe, I hope you believe that life is happening for you and there's no coincidence that you are the strong, able, beautiful, generous, driven person you are today because of all these experiences. But I am sorry that those had to be your experiences. I'm, I can't even imagine how hard all of that must have been, but you are the evidence And this is why I love your story of what happens when you work through and keep going and don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on the the life that you can have. And you just, you you showed that over and over again. You're four years old and you are, have your leg amputated. Do you remember that? Like, do you remember the decision process at all? Not at all. Um, I mean, obviously my parents made the decision for me as well as like the doctors and stuff, just because it would be, you know, the best thing to do. Um, So, but I I was too young. I had no idea what was happening. Okay. But you do remember waking up, getting your first prosthetic and running down the hall. So there was an element to you that must've just felt like you gained your wings. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I just remember little bits and pieces. Um, mainly I just kind of remember what people tell me that happened and the videos and the pictures that I've seen. Um, but I mean, I, I really don't have any real early memories of anything like that. And then, you know, also coming from Ukraine, um, I was still speaking Ukrainian, so I couldn't communicate with my parents at all, um, until they could teach me English. So, you know, who knows how long it was before, you know, I actually understood what they were saying or what they understood what I was trying to say. Um, so, cause they had a translator when they were in Ukraine visiting me, but then once I came to the U S you know, yeah. they don't have that anymore. So I was just probably confused as heck, but I was happy. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's the really incredible piece for you is you seem so peaceful and confident about your journey. So you don't remember the orphanage in Ukraine. You don't no. have any memories of that. How interesting. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that that, do you think it's that you have suppressed those memories or do you honestly feel like they're just, it was just, you were too young? Um, I honestly just think I was too young. Um, I mean, I might have suppressed it, but I just, I don't see why I would have. Um, And even like when I talk about it, like nothing, no feelings come up, nothing comes up. So I just, yeah, I just think I was too young and just didn't really know what was happening. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so you have that, this prosthetic leg, then you're six and you go have your first horseback riding lesson, which must've felt incredible because I was a rider. Um, you know that I rode yes. all through, um, until I was in well into my teens and my daughter's a rider. So that sport and the beautiful feeling of being on the back of an animal and letting them lead you and, and being a partnership is just so incredible. And I can imagine how that must've felt. And then to have that barn suggest that it's, it's not safe and not want to take on that responsibility. I, you know, I, I can imagine that that's not the only time that's happened in your life where people have felt nervous or awkward or unsure, because I know even as myself, we never want to offend and Mm -hmm. sometimes be so uncomfortable with the unknown. Yeah. 
For sure. Um, And I mean, that's happened quite a few times, mainly just kind of like in sports and stuff. Um, I'm actually kind of banned at some amusement parks because like you have to have so many limbs to ride certain rides. Um, So yeah, I'm dead serious. Like Six Flags wouldn't let me ride like over half of their rides. Um, So it is a little frustrating when those moments come to, you know, to the surface, but, um, you just got to like handle it in stride and just be like, you know, all right, that's okay. I'll find something else to do, or I'll figure it out a different way, or I'll find someone else that will work with me as an amputee. You just, you know, become quite the MacGyver of, you know, your situations because you really have to figure out how to do it your way because, you know, a two-legger's way isn't going to work for you. So you just got to figure out how to do it. And it might look different. It might feel different than someone else, but like, you know, you're going to make it work if you're really passionate about it. That's one thing you have. I feel like you were born with it. Like that was a gift you were given. And I'm astonished to be honest with you. And this is just my ignorance that a big amusement park wouldn't be working with people who are all different shapes, sizes, structures. I mean, none of us are the same. I actually just had this conversation with my kids yesterday, how like we're snowflakes and we can't call people fat, skinny, or this or that, because no, what is that? Everybody's just different. Our shapes are different. And I, I find that really odd that this day and age, we can't, you know, have you go on a ride. Like exactly. I don't even understand that. I think they're afraid my leg is going to like fly off or something, which that's impossible. It's that can't happen. Yeah, yeah. Lack of understanding. Does it frustrate you? Um, it definitely does. Um, but I, I, I feel like at this point, you know, I, I'm an adult. It's happened so many times that I'm just like, well, what's new, right? Should have expected that basically. Um, but I remember when it happened, I was with my two cousins and my sister and we were all at Six Flags just to have, you know, a really fun day. Um, and I was wearing shorts so you could obviously see my prosthetic and that was my first mistake. <laughs> um, so I've been there while I've been wearing like pants and stuff and no one said anything. So it's just, if they can see it then. Um, so yeah, we ended up having to go like customer service and they like laid out all the rides we could go on and it just wasn't worth it. So we ended up having to like leave early and it was just, it was, it was a day that was supposed to be fun and memorable and it was just kind of ruined and I was so upset. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Oh my goodness. And so you've just been that person that's overcome obstacles, overcome obstacles, overcome obstacles. Like I just hear that over and over in your story. And I, I'm so sorry for the passing of your aunt as well. And um, really surprised. Like, I, I, I don't know if you'd mind me digging in a little bit more, but your parents, um, first of all, when they, you said they put a lock on your door, did they lock you in the room? Yeah. So if I had to like go to the bathroom, I would have to bang on the wall of my parents' bedroom and they would have to unlock me. So they put an alarm. So if I ever opened the door, the alarm would sound and they would know that I've gotten out. Okay. And what was their reasoning? What There, there had to be a reasoning. I guess they didn't want me to like leave to like go hurt myself or something. They were... I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever had a conversation with them as an adult about what that was all about? Um, not really. I don't really talk to my parents today. Um, I mean, they live in Washington state and I live in Texas. So um, we just don't really chat or anything. And my parents are just very, they just get offended easily and they just don't, they're just not really someone I need in my life right now. Um, you know, I only need people that support me and, you know, don't judge me and, um, 
you know, they unfortunately aren't those people right now and they might be in the future, but right now, you know, I'm focusing on me and where I want to take my future. And sometimes that means that you have to, you know, not have certain people in your life, even if it's your family members. And that's just kind of the reality of it. Yeah, I agree. You just have to guard your spirit. You have to guard your heart and your mind. And I'm sure they're processing things in their own way as well. Um, I do believe people only do what they they think is best in the moment. I hope that maybe by witnessing you and the beautiful woman you're becoming that they see, you know, and, and own some of that responsibility of how they could have done better. And I'm sure that I'm sure that will happen. I hope it happens for, for both them and you. Yeah. And I will say, um, in through all of that, again, reiterating, you became this incredibly gritty person because of all of this. So there's always silver linings and even dark, not nice places. And I'm just grateful you had this aunt and uncle who allowed you to spread your wings and really kind of capture your spirit and be who you were meant to be. And that's exactly what you needed at the exact right time. So it's another great example of life working for us. And uh, I'm sorry for the loss of your your aunt. That must have been very hard. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really hard just because it was so sudden and out of the blue. Um, and you know, she had really become like my mom. You know, after three years, right? Um, especially when my own mother, you know, hadn't treated me the best, and so. Um, yeah, it was devastating. And I remember, uh, it was me, my sister, her boyfriend and my other sister and brother, we were just all sitting on the couch, just kind of chilling. And we got a call from my uncle and I could overhear on the phone, like she's dead. And I was like, what? And like, you know, we all heard it and, you know, it was just, and they were in uh, Hawaii at the time on their honeymoon that they never had. And it was like their second day there. And so it was just, it was just so, so heartbreaking. So he had to come back and he had the funeral. So it was just so sudden. And then, you know, my parents, you know, sued for custody. It was just the icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. Talk about bad timing. And yeah. anyway, I, I will not try not to judge. <laughs> you get caught up in your story. It just, you, you just think like, what were you thinking? But I yeah. guess they were thinking something. And so, um, yeah. Okay. So you have had this journey and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things, if you don't mind me saying, this is totally off topic, but it's really sitting on my heart is you refer to yourself at the very beginning when we were very started is that you were weird looking. And I just want to say those are people who can't see you. You are the furthest thing from weird looking. You are beautiful. Oh, and- well, thank you. <laughs> And to be unique to me is one of the most special things in life because who wants to be like everybody else? I don't. And um, I just want you to know that from my eyeballs, I see a beautiful young woman because you're young. How old are you? Uh, 22. Oh, you baby you. So you're (laughs) a young woman, but you're gorgeous, Alyssa. And I want you to know that that's what people see. And I think this might lead me into something that I really wanted to talk about because I want to help educate people. Yeah. No, I think we are so worried about being politically correct these days that we're almost like doing the opposite, that we're almost offending because we're trying so hard not to offend. And I've heard so many things recently about how to refer to a disability or is it differently abled or what, what the term is because nobody wants to say something to offend. Yeah. Can you help educate us? Like you just say, if I met you, here's what I would love. Like explain to the audience here how we can be better for others. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, if you just want to call me an amputee, like that's good enough for me. Um, I mean, I call myself a disabled writer. I'm a paradressage writer. Um, or I call myself a paradressage writer, you know, or I call myself a dressage writer. Like it doesn't, I think for me, because I've, you know, had my leg for so long, like I don't see it as like, I don't know. I just don't see it as other people see it. Like, you know, it's just my leg. Like I get some comments sometimes like, you know, do you ever forget that you're missing a leg? And I'm like, no, because like I have to put it on every morning. Like that doesn't happen. And so, I mean, I think for me, like, I mean, you can call me whatever you want. I mean, amputee, what was the other one you said? Abled writer? It, well, I, yeah, I was at a conference and somebody had said, I would like to be referred to as differently abled. And so I think that puts a fear in someone like myself because I think, oh my goodness, like you're not supposed to say disabled and I don't want to say something that's incorrect. And then at the same time, when you're talking, all I keep hearing in my head is why are we even labeling things? Why are we referring to somebody's physical appearance and even yeah. having to put a label? Like, why isn't it just Alyssa and who is a dressage writer and she's going to the Paralympics? And so this has really been good for me just to digest and verbally process with you because I know I'm not alone in that. And I think, like I said, people are trying so hard to be politically correct that we are almost making it more of a thing than it needs to be. Exactly. And I think, and I think it's different for, you know, every kind of person. I think someone that might be in a wheelchair, they might want to be called differently able because, you know, they're obviously a little more disabled than someone like me who can walk and run and do all this stuff. So, um, I think it definitely goes by like a person by person basis. Um, and I mean, if you ever have like any kind of like doubts, just ask them. I mean, we're really nice. We don't bite. Um, it's better than staring at us or whispering because we can totally see you do that, you know, or anything like that. So if you have any kind of questions about how it happened, what do you call us, you know, anything like that, like just, just ask us. We're super open and nice about it. And we know that it's different, but you know, we also want to educate you on it and we want it to be more normalized. And the only way to get it more normalized is to talk about it. I love that you are open to people approaching you. I'm that type of person, especially with children. You know, your children are so innocent, but they see something that maybe they haven't seen before. And I, I can't stand the whispering. Like I don't like whispering at all, but Same. for me as a parent, I love that maybe that's an option. If my child ever came across something that's new to them and I didn't know how to properly explain it, that I could say, Hey, you know, how did that happen? Just stop putting people in boxes and being afraid of things that are unique. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I definitely get a lot of kids pointing and being like, mommy, why does she have a robot leg? Like (laughs) that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely like, you know, I'm a pretty open person. Um, might look intimidating, but I'm really nice. I promise. (laughs) Yeah, you're nice. And, uh, let's talk about who you are today because that story is profound. And I don't think anybody listening would disagree with that. I mean, it's just, this story of overcoming, overcoming, which made you stronger and built your armor and, and really prepared you for the next journey of going to Paralympics. Cause let's not kid ourselves. There's gonna be a ton of obstacles and things to get through for that journey because not just anybody gets to go to the Olympics. So I would love to know, like, what do you do today? What is a day in a life of Alyssa and, and preparing for that beautiful vision and goal of yours? 
For sure. So today I'm 22. <laughs> um, I live a pretty normal life. I have a regular job, um, which I'm trying to ditch constantly. Um, <laughs> so I do a lot on like social media and stuff. Um, I do YouTube. I do Instagram. Um, I recently got into TikTok, um, which has been super fun to do. Um, so all those platforms, I think, are just more ways for me to help uh, share my story and normalize someone with um, a disability and normalize amputees and stuff like that. And to show that, you know, we're just like y'all, you know, we don't, we're just trying to have fun, just trying to live our lives um, the way that anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying kind of getting onto social media more and just kind of being out there. Um, as far as like the whole Paralympics thing, um, I'm currently leasing a horse right now. Um, his name is Raleigh. He's a uh, Morgan Sport horse, and he's just kind of like a lower level dressage horse. Um, he's really, really cute, and has been super just chill about like my prosthetic. Doesn't really care; just kind of you know does what I ask him. Um, so he's been really great. Um, I have a dressage opportunity um, that's supposed to happen in Utah, um, but because of the whole Corona thing, obviously everything kind of got pushed back. So I'm literally just waiting for the call to move to Utah, and then I. We'll move there. Um, and wow. Yeah. Oh my so God. it's crazy. It yeah, there's this crazy good. Crazy good. Yeah, there's this lady that wants to start up like, um, I don't know what to call it, but like, um, like a riding facility basically to help like other people with disabilities ride horses. Um, so she wants to like have me like kind of like help her start that and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be really, really cool, and I'll get to ride some really beautiful horses. Um, and so I'm hoping that can high, kind of, you know, get me back on the path um, to training for the Paralympics and showing a bit more. Um, just because with the current horse I have, like, we're not going to go to any shows. He's just kind of like a an in-between horse right now, just kind of in-between yeah. phases. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's unpack some of this because I think there's some really good lessons in this. So last time I saw you, you were building a house with your boyfriend. Is that still happening? Um, Yes. So it's not a house we're going to live in. Um, It's actually supposed to be sold by July 7th. Um, So we have a buyer interested. So they're just trying to pick out all the like flooring they want and stuff. So I believe it's under contract right now. Beautiful. So that's a really good example of a shift and a pivot because last we spoke, you were like, we're building a house. We're going to like do the thing and live in Texas. And I, I want everybody to hear this, that you saw an opportunity in Utah. You were building a house. This was the, this was the plan and you were yeah. able to shift and pivot and adjust to an opportunity. And I think how many people use these, sorry, if I'm going to say it, lame excuses for not seizing opportunities. You have a big excuse, like a, a house you're building and a life you're building there and Paralympics and, and, you know, barn you're part of, but you're able to shift your thinking because there's an opportunity in Utah and moving and moving like, Oh, it's so, so juicy and good because I think the, if more people were free like that, yeah. to follow their tugs and whispers, what would the world be like? What would people achieve? I also love that 
in your goal of reaching Paralympics, that you are taking this step by step by step. Again, when people have big goals, whether it's in business or fitness or riding, whatever it is, so often we want to like skip the middle part. We want to go from like kindergarten to university. It's like, just get me to the Paralympics without realizing like, let's humble ourselves and really learn and do all the small things because it's hours in the saddle or it's hours in your office and putting in that work in order to have what other people aren't willing to do, which stretches you to those big huge audacious goals. So I love even that, that you're riding this horse who I, first of all, like, let's give him a big round of applause. Cause he sounds like a beautiful, beautiful boy. Um, but, uh, you know, you're riding this horse that may not be getting you to shows, but you're enjoying the moment and utilizing him and his capabilities as much as you can to move forward. I think this is great. These are great lessons. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, with him, he is a really great horse and all I really wanted with him was just to get more time in the saddle. And I'm definitely doing that because before I had him, I was only doing like one lesson a week because they were so expensive. And so I was like, you know, if I'm really going to become a better rider, I need to be riding, you know, three, four times a week. You know, I can't do once a week. That's not going to get me anywhere. Um, so even though he is, you know, lower level, like that's fine. Cause you know, I just want to put around. I just want to be with a horse that I can kind of call my own. Um, so yeah, definitely just enjoying it for the time I have it and just kind of waiting for the next, you know, opportunity to present itself. Cause you know, I'm definitely open to moving to Utah. I'm open to doing, you know, whatever that will help me, um, you know, reach my bigger goals. And, you know, you're right. It does start with small steps, you know, you can't, you know, get to the moon without first training on earth. Right. So Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I just, I think too, is I I would love you to give advice to the audience about setbacks. You know, when people hear somebody being negative about them or gossipy or, you know, things aren't going as planned, I think you would be a beautiful teacher and mentor for advice on how to like bounce back from that quickly. What would be your number one tip? Like, what do you do in your mind when either you're at a, you know, amusement park and you can't do all the rides or you get on a horse and the horse isn't happy and you don't jive, like what, what's your internal process to overcoming that and bouncing back even better? Um, I think I first start with recognizing my feelings of disappointment, sadness, and just kind of like, you know, letting myself deal with that. Cause it's okay to feel all those things, right? Like you don't have to be like, all right, well, let's just jump to the next thing then, you know, like it's okay to take some time, be sad about the moment. Um, but then, you know, I always try to think of like a solution. Like if a horse isn't driving with me, well, then let's give him the day off, give him a spa day and we'll try again tomorrow. If an amusement park won't let me on a ride, well, let's leave and then I'll come back tomorrow with freaking pants on. So they don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So it's all about just kind of, you know, figuring it out and figuring out like the best way to do it your way. And, you know, it sucks because I've had a few times where, you know, Raleigh just wasn't feeling it or I couldn't get some of my gear right. And so we just didn't have a good ride. And, you know, I would have to get off and I'd be really disappointed, but then I would go home and be like, okay, well, this didn't work because of this. Well, how can I fix it? So way tomorrow it will work. And then, you know, I figure it out and I go back the next day and I figure it out and it works and we have a great ride. And so it's just all about, you know, you have to just get like in that mindset of like, okay, well, let's just figure it out. It's just problem solving. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of all I really do, but you know, I always take the time to, you know, 
be sad about what happened because it is sad and it does suck. Um, and you know, we don't always have to be these happy people all the time. And I think that's the main thing. Everyone that like knows me or sees me, they're like, Oh my God, you're always so positive. Like how are you always so positive and happy? And you know, obviously in social media, like, that's like what we show. Right. But like no one sees me, you know, crying in the shower, eating a box of chocolates. Right because I'm like stressed out about, you know, not getting this equipment to work right. No one sees me venting to my boyfriend for, you know, hours on hours because I can't figure this out. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, be my biggest advice. Just take the time you need to be sad about it, but then, you know, stop, figure out a solution and then go make it work. Yeah. Solution based. I love that. I do. That's really, really good advice. Thanks. <laughs> really it is. And at 22 to get that, um, you know, at, probably in your 22 years, you feel like you've lived a lot more yeah. with all the experiences you've been through, which is why you're so wise at your age. I cannot wait to see what you do at 30, 40. I mean, it's going to be mind blowing, but I, I really appreciate that because I do feel like we can get lost in our excuses and lost in the emotion. But I love that you say like, get, feel the feelings. And that's a really good thing. I do think we need to honor our feelings, but bounce out of that by finding a solution and trying again. And if yeah. that solution didn't, didn't work, I bet you would find another one and try it again. Correct. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So winner's attitude, that's what that is. So I'm, I'm really happy to share that. So I, I leave every single uh, podcast with a question and then I want to share with where people can find you and follow this journey because I want us to be huge cheerleaders for you on this journey. And if we can just be great supporters and giving you positive reinforcement and, and cheering you on and, and who knows what that's going to look like in five years from now, I'd love this community to be able to do that for you. But how are you going to become or be iconic today? Um, today I am going to be iconic by just continuing to share my story and share my positivity. Um, and just, you know, always working towards a goal, even if it's a small goal, you know, I'm always working towards it. Um, so yeah. I love that. Do you have a goal in mind for today? Well, my work computer actually isn't working, so I haven't worked all day. <laughs> so probably to get that working. Um, the pool's also supposed to open up, so and the gym. So I'd love to get a workout in, maybe a nice swim, just small goals to help me make myself feel better because the quarantine pounds are packing on a little bit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And you know what's interesting is so many guests, when I ask this question, it really comes back to self-care. Yeah. Most people have answered this question, not with, I'm going to make a million bucks or, you know, it's always, it seems to be this internal work, which I am so pleased to hear because I think that is the common thread that everybody needs in any stage of life, whether you're thriving or you're in a low, it's about really taking care of yourself. And when you do, you become iconic because becoming iconic is basically living your best life. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Where can we find you? Let us know. Okay. So you can find me, um, they're all the same username. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, um, at Alcee Equine, A-L-C-E-Q-U-I-N-E. Um, I post almost daily on my Instagram and my TikTok, and I'm trying to do one video a week on my YouTube. Um, so yeah, that's kind of growing slowly, but we're getting there. Yeah. Good. Good. I love that. I love that you're spreading over all platforms and meeting all sorts of people and being 22. That's a very smart choice. And so I am no, I'm a follower. I love watching you. I can't wait for more people to, to subscribe and be there with you. And I just want you to know how impactful you are. And so 
just please know that in your heart, you are so impactful and inspiring and beautiful. And I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg to what you have to show and, and impact others with. And I'm so grateful to have met you and I'm so grateful to have shared you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me and for allowing me to share my story to even more people. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you because you've been so such a great role model for me to like look up to and just kind of follow and just to see everything that you're doing like I want to do too so thank you for that thank you so much for being here I hope you know how grateful I am my heart is here to serve and build a beautiful community and in that I do want to mention something that's very important and exciting I have a new freebie over at the website, okay? So our website is jenspiegel.com. Shoot over there, pick up your new freebie. It is a 14-day launch strategy. This launch strategy has been used by hundreds of people, and I'll let you know a hundred times over, it has been uber successful because it is very succinct, concrete, and systematic on how to get out your new program, your new podcast. Maybe you're launching a new business. It does not matter what it is. Any launch needs a strategy. And so I am giving this to you for free. Shoot over to the website, download it. I promise you it will make the world of difference in terms of sales, promotion, engagement, excitement over that next launch you have. I'm so excited to gift it to you because I only ever gave this to my VIP clients, but I knew it was just another way I could give back to this beautiful community we're building. So let me know what you think of it. Please, if you feel so inclined, leave a review today, shoot me off a message in the DM, share the podcast. It is the best way to continue building this community of beautiful people. And I just want to wish you a great day. But in fact, icons, why don't we go make it a great day? Mwah.